Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of the Disc Golf Answer Man. I am Bobby Cool, Daddy Slick Breeze. This is a conversation with Paul from T-Box Disc Golf. I'm sure you've seen on Ricky Wysocki's, Drew Gibson's, and quite a few other top players on their Instagram feed, these really fantastic looking images. This piece I've called them pieces of disc golf art. But just these really great graphics uh, with people's with these players posts and uh, the guy behind these, if you see, if you're seeing the ones I'm thinking of, the guy behind this is Paul from T-Box Disc Golf. Now, this is not T-Box the socks, but just T-Box Disc Golf. Anyway, I reached out to him, wanted him on the show because I thought what he was doing was was awesome for the players. And I wanted to learn a little bit more about what he does as far as content creation and working with social media and disc golfers. So let's uh, let's have a conversation with Paul. All right, Paul, how are you doing this evening? Not too shabby. Uh, a little tired. It's kind of a, it's kind of cold uh, here in Knoxville. We've got a little cold snap coming through. I think it's like 45 degrees outside. I, I took off this afternoon and went out of the field and through because I'd just been in front of a computer since 6.30 when I got up this morning and uh, stretch my legs, but now I'm back in front of a computer where I'll probably remain for the rest of the evening. <laughs> I hear you on that. I hear <laughs> so on that. The way things go. Yeah. Yeah. It was 43 this morning. I woke up. Uh, I knew I had told myself cause yesterday I did some weightlifting and I knew today was kind of a run day and I thought, okay, get up for your run. My alarm went off at five o'clock and I thought, get up for your run. I looked, picked up my phone, saw it was 43 degrees. I was like, Oh gosh, no, <laughs> <laughs> I just got back from Florida and here it is 45, 43 degrees. Right. Uh, when it was uh, mid seventies, it took, I, I'm going to be honest. It took me about 45 minutes to talk myself into getting up and going right. on the run, but I eventually right. did, which was good. So no, I, I never, I never get up this early. My, uh, my girlfriend, who's uh, a graduate student at the university of Tennessee, she had a really big exam today. So she had the alarm set for, for 5.00 AM. And, and so when that alarm went off, I was like, well, I guess I've got nothing better to do. So I may as well get up and and get some work done, uh, just because things are really piling up. I, I, I assumed that the off season would bring, you know, a little bit, a, a little bit of a reprieve, but it's been quite the opposite. It's been nonstop. As soon as I got back from, from Rock Hill, it's been, you know, just grinding, 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 wow. but, uh, but that's great. good. That's good to have a lot of work yep. in disc golf. So yeah, that brings me to the reason why I wanted you on the show is that, um, I, you know, I'm sure if everybody in the disc golf world have noticed the the sweet images that's been putting out on a lot of players pages. And I was like, where are these? You know, all, I know you've been doing it for a while, but it's like all of a sudden it's just I noticed these uh, images, these really cool uh, uh, graphic work with a lot of top players. And I started doing a little digging and found, of course, the rabbit hole led to you. And I thought, man, this guy really is talented, really putting out some really nice stuff. And I wanted to kind of talk to you. I wanted to have a conversation and pick your brain. So sure. tell me, yeah, tell us a little bit about, um, but I think you do a lot more in disc golf than just make pretty pictures. What do you, what, what, what all do you do as far as disc golf media? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think making pretty pictures is like the, is like the first thing that people know, like, oh, you're the guy who does the the edits. Everyone says, oh, it's the T-Box edits, <laughs> whatever an edit is. I guess artworks are, I guess art, like pieces of art are called edits now. Um, but no, I mean like, uh, so a, a little bit of backstory here. Um, I've always been like a creative person by nature. I grew up in a creative household. Um, kind of knew, you know, just from like, from a very young age that I was going to be a designer of some sort. Um, was able to go to a cool high school where, um, where the arts were, you know, were, were promoted heavily. Um, 
and went to Clemson University, got a degree in graphic communications, which is a as a science degree. So I have a um I have like extensive experience in like print technology. Mm-hmm. Um, but while I was there, they were sort of under undergoing a, a transition. This is right when Clemson was like at its at its you know athletic peak. Um, so like pretty much every year I was in college, we either went to the national championship or went to went to the college football playoff. And so with that came a lot of attention, which meant a lot of investment into uh, collegiate athletics and marketing and social media. And so while I was there, uh, my department started working pretty closely with the, with the football team and with the athletics department. And so I got a chance to work with the football team and, and work with, you know, the most experienced professionals in college athletics, social media development. And, and these guys were doing, you know, groundbreaking work when it came to, you know, promoting teams and creating digital artwork. Um, it wasn't something that I envisioned myself doing. I wasn't the best in Photoshop in college. Uh, I was more of like the logo designer guy. I really wanted to go into web development. Um, but right when I graduated was right when COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And I was actually shoehorned into a job uh, that I had done as an internship. It was a, with a wine importer in Chapel Hill, uh, North Carolina. Um, and while I was there, uh, I was at a desk for 40 hours a week, but I was doing, you know, 20 hours of work. And so I had a lot of time to focus on, you know, gaining some skills that I thought would be useful. Um, and so I started doing these edits as just kind of a way to keep myself, uh, you know, I guess, keep my skills sharp in Photoshop and, and try to learn some new tricks. And then something just clicked. I don't know exactly what it was. I started experimenting and realized that I was a lot better at it than I thought I was. Um, and then I was, you know, really into the professional side of disc golf. Uh, I guess, I guess that started in 2017. And so I was like, you know, I may as well, people aren't really doing this for disc golf. They're doing it for every other sport, doing these edits and sort of things. Um, so why not do it for, for the pros? And, uh, yeah, during 2020, I kind of messed with it and I was posting here and there. I had an old account, um, that I posted a handful of things on and, and got some followers for some pros and, and, uh, you know, uh, manufacturers and whatnot. Um, and then in, at the end of 2020, I, I decided that for December, um, I was going to do a, a, an edit every single day. Um, and then every Friday I was going to do a giveaway and it was just kind of like the first time where I was like, you know, I'm going to see if I can make this work. I think there's an audience for it. Um, I started with two, like 250 followers and finished with 2,500. Wow. Um, I wish I can say that I've had the same growth, you know, consistent, <laughs> you know, logarithmic growth, right, since right. Then, but, uh, it's just, I, I, with, with all the extra work I've added on, it's been hard to keep up with posting on my own page. But from there, that's when, that's when the, the collaboration started piling and I started working with Ricky, started working with Kevin and drew. Um, and then from there, uh, it was just like every new projects and creating this sort of network of people around myself, um, just from making cool pictures. And, and I, I think what was interesting is that people saw that I could make cool photos and they go, okay, well, can you do this? And I'm like, I mean, sure. I've, I haven't really done it much before, but I probably could figure it out. And then from there, started gaining a bit of a, a, a repertoire of, of being, you know, not only just a social media guy, but doing logo design and publication design for companies and designing flight charts and all sorts of weird stuff. Um, so, you know, the social media side is where I've gained my, you know, all my, my connections, but from there it sort of trickled down into designing all sorts of stuff for disc golf. Um, which I'm lucky to say I can do because, you know, 
it's not every day that you walk into a, a sport that you love. And, and next thing you know, it's your full-time job. So now how did you, okay. So you started collaborating with Ricky and some of the, the top guys. How did that happen? Did they approach you? You approached them? They approached me. I I've had this, you know, I have this, this dilemma where I'm not like much of a hustler. Um, and so I wasn't getting into the DMS and doing like, you know, boots on the groundwork, like, Hey, you know, here's some pictures that I, that I do. Cause you know, I want people to see me. I don't want to have to go out and, you know, drop stuff and, 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 you know, call Porter, so to speak. Um, Ricky was, it's funny. Ricky was my first athlete to approach me, which is, it's kind of like, you know, you start from the bottom and you work your way up. No, I started at the top and <laughs> I can't say I worked down, but like I had the, you know, the number one player in, in the world approach me before anyone else did. Um, that was actually two or three days after I posted um, an edit that I did for him last December. Um, and at that point, I was still working at that company and he was like my main client. And then from there, I, I, I started doing some work with Drew. Um, but I decided to make the move to doing this full time when I realized that I was like declining more work than I was taking because I was splitting hours with my other job. Wow. Um, and there were some projects early on that I was like, man, this is really cool. I just don't have it in my, in my schedule. Um, and I was like, you know what? I knew I was going to have to move, uh, to Tennessee for, for grace to go to graduate school. I was like, let's just, let's just dive in for a few months. And if it doesn't work, we go find a job when we move, but you know, let's commit to it and see what happens. Um, and so I, I, I put in my two week notice, two weeks before Vegas, walked out of work at four o'clock in the afternoon and jumped on a plane and went to Vegas and never looked back. Um, oh my gosh. And it was, it was wild. Cause I like, it's funny to think like back then, cause I walked onto the course and like, I didn't know anyone and I was super timid. <laughs> um, and it's just crazy to think that now, like it's, I, I, I've made so many great friends and, and, and had so many great memories just in, you know, 10 months of, of doing this. Like I've just scratched the surface. I think of, of what's possible in the sport. Now, when you say doing this, I'm, I'm assuming you're doing more than just the making these uh, very cool pieces of art. Right. Right. I mean, that's where, that's, that's where I like to put the most of my time. And I've, I've honestly, I, I think I could do just making pictures full time. Right. Um, I don't think that would be necessarily accessing all the things I'm, I'm good at. And I think I've, I think I've, I've approached, you know, when I've, when I've worked with businesses, uh, during this past year, I've always told them like, you know, cause they typically approach me for stuff like this. Right. Like, um, Jeff Panis and of a, he approached me and said, Hey, you know, love what you're doing. Do you want to do a handful of posts for, uh, you know, and to coincide with the release of the, the tour series discs. And mm. I was like, absolutely. Why not? that was a really successful project. The, the, the stuff turned out great. Um, but from there it was like, well, Hey, like, you know, do you want to design, uh, some dice up jerseys for USDGC or for, or for Vegas or, um, I'm trying to think of some of the other projects that we've worked on. It's been so much over the past year. Uh, but just to say that's typically like the, that's like the, the, the entry level project gotcha. of how we, you know, how I typically make these connections. They approach me for these and then, those conversations lead into something a little bit more high fidelity. Yeah. And is it mostly that, but it's mostly design design work that you do for events and companies. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I I've, I've never really done anything outside of, I mean, I guess when I work with athletes um, or when I've worked with athletes over the past year, I guess that has an element of, of, of marketing and management because I'm, 
like for, for, uh, for Ricky this past season and for Kevin, I was making posts and writing copy mm. for both of them. Um, Drew likes to be a little more hands-on with his account. So I would just make him the artwork and send it to him. But the others, I was actually having to go in and I was creating stories and trying to build, you know, plans of how we can, you know, not only post cool stuff, but post stuff that's relevant and makes sense and is effective. Uh, which is a bit of a learning curve yeah. because the audience is really interesting and they're very picky. Um, one thing that I noticed, uh, and we can, we can talk about this a little more, uh, later in the show. Um, this off season, I'm trans I'm transitioning out of working with players as much, not because I have any problem with working with them. Um, but one thing I've noticed over the past year, uh, is the edits work much better, I think, in the retail context. Mm. Because, um, and I, I noticed this for the first time working with Kevin, uh, and somebody commented um, after I'd been working with him for about two or three weeks, I'd posted five or six times. Um, and they go, these posts look amazing, but his account went from being the most personal to the least personal in disc golf. Oh, wow. Okay. And I was like, okay, one, that kind of hurts my feelings. But yeah. At the same time, <laughs> at the same time, like that's a really valid point. Yeah. It, these, you know, one thing about disc golf is that it's always been an inaccessible sport for the fans. And, and, and that, you know, if you want to go meet your favorite player, you just show up to the event. Yeah. It's not like, you know, if you want to meet, uh, if you want to meet, you know, uh, Dak Prescott, you can't just show up to Arlington and just get his autograph. Right. You can show up to USCGC and get five-time world champ Paul McBeth's autograph on six different things and wait in a line that's like, you know, 15 people long. Um, and so the reason why I'm saying this is that for their social media, for fans, I feel like they think of it as a direct communication between them and the player. And when it seems like that connection's compromised, they get frustrated. They feel like it, you know, it's, you're, you're not, you're talking to a wall. You're not talking to the player anymore. Um, and it's not to say that the artwork's bad, but it, it doesn't convey a sense of, of personality that the player has in their own account. And I think that's the value in, 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 in having a social media account is that it's meant to be a connection between you and the audience. No, I totally um, agree. I, I, yeah. And that's, that's what I tell some of the clients that I, the, you know, I'm, our, our stories are somewhat similar in that, uh, you know, I left dynamic discs and I'm trying this out for a few months, this whole disc golf, social media thing, podcast thing. Um, but I have, uh, one other client that's a gym membership or not a gym membership, but basically a CrossFit box here in Tulsa. Um, but I tell people when they ask me and they ask me what I do is about social media and marketing. And I, one thing I say that's happening is that people are taking the social out of social media because they, they, they understand that social media is important. Someone told them you got to grow your business. You got to be on social media, but they don't want to do it. But the thing is, is you got to do it. You got to figure out how to do it so that your posts and what you do and your engagement is more organic. Because if you just spew a bunch of pre-made and not, not I'm, not, I'm not trying to lump your artwork into it, but I think that's kind of what you're saying is that it looks so professional and polished and so good that people are like, wait, I don't feel like I'm connecting with Kevin because it's right. some, some, some guys making these really nice pieces of artwork, but is obviously Kevin's not doing that. Otherwise he should be doing that and not playing disc golf, you know? So, um, so I get what you're saying. And, and P I don't, I don't think people understand that, that it's, 
we're so inundated with marketing and the marketing message that uh, it's more refreshing to see an organic picture or an organic post that doesn't look so overly polished. Right. Right. Um, I wish I could say that I made as much as Kevin and that Kevin <laughs> should be doing this. That'd be awesome. Ooh, yeah. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's been interesting. Um, and I think I've developed, um, I should say, I don't take a, a ton of criticism. Um, and that's not to say that I'm infallible, but I think disc golf, the disc golf community for the most part's fairly forgiving. Um, and so, you know, if I post something that people don't like, they don't freak out. There's occasionally one or two, but it's not, you know, they say like, Oh, this, this wasn't as good. Or I don't, I'm kind of confused by this post. Um, but I think, uh, I think I've developed, you know, fairly thick skin. And one of the things I've noticed is, um, I've tried to, you know, create like a different, a, a different focus as in like, you know, I, I have a distinct look right. to my stuff. Um, and you know, part of me likes to, you know, I channel that on my page. Uh, you know, I have like a selection of what I call like, you know, tricks that I use, um, to get specific looks and I use those on my page and I try not to do that, um, with, uh, with, you know, the player accounts, but sometimes it's hard. I had a conversation with, with, um, with a client, uh, this past year and they go, they said, um, they said, look, like, I love what you're doing, but I don't want it to look like everyone else's. Mm. And I was like, to me, I'm like, well, it doesn't look like everyone else's, but I think what they were getting at is, you know, I have a a specific set of, of, you know, it's not a formula, but I have a, a couple looks that I like to, to get. I love using duotones. I love really grainy images. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are two things that I think are very, you know, quote T box. Um, and so I've tried to step back this off season and just like force myself to make artwork that doesn't look like that. Mm. And some of the stuff that I've put together and none of this gets posted. This is all stuff that I do in like, you know, in, in the evening when I'm trying to just shake things up or, mm-hmm. you know, learn a new skill. Um, none of this stuff gets posted and half of it I hate, <laughs> but I'm trying to get myself to like, you know, try to look at things through, through a different lens, um, and give myself like a, a new set of skills to, to, to approach design from. And I, I think, you know, there's, there's sort of this, the split because I, I ride the divide of, of raster and vector graphics, which for people who don't know, I, I'm, I'm sure you're a media guy, you, you know, the difference between like raster images, mm-hmm. vector images, but for, for the listener, um, in so many words, vector art is like logos and raster arts like pictures. And a lot of the projects I do are the, a blend of the two. When I make logos, that's only vectors. And when I make, you know, when I edit photos, things like that, that's only raster. And I have to, you know, go into each project with sort of a different, entirely different mindset. That's why I don't like to lump a whole lot of like logo projects together and a whole lot of raster projects together because it, I, I feel like I'm like putting myself in a box and I get really stressed and frustrated when I'm looking at like only Photoshop for, you know, 30 hours in one week, I'm trying to break things up. Um, and I think one thing that I've learned doing like really heavy design work constantly is I have to add extra steps to my process. Um, and what I mean by that is I've always been one of these people that like, as soon as I find a, you know, like if I'm designing a logo, as soon as I draft something that I think is going to be cool, I push it all the way to the very end. Hmm. I never like 
try things different. I get so focused in on, you know, taking a logo that I first envision to completion. And then I get to the end and I'm like, well, actually I've, I think I should have gone back and tried, you know, made this small change and, 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 and done it that way. Um, and one of the things I've added to my process is I do a lot more sketching now, um, which is something that I kind of gave up uh, early on in college, which I'm sure my, my high school art teacher would be, you know, <laughs> uh, you know uh, have my throat. Right. She heard that, but um, trying to get back to like, you know, creating a, a very specific process to how I do things. So I think it gives you a more professional product in the end. Um, that's sort of the, 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 the hidden, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? That's the, that's, that's the hidden evil in having access to all these super quick tools is it's really easy to create an idea that's complete in like 20 minutes. Hmm. Um, and so I have to slow myself down and try to think of like the work I do in terms of, you know, how designers back in like the fifties would do it. Cause they didn't have access to these tools. They had drafting tools. They were doing things by hand. Um, and so if I try to take that approach and slow things down, uh, especially with logos and stuff, I feel like the quality of my work increases exponentially. Um, wow. And that's why like in the past six months, I've produced pretty much all of my favorite work ever. Really? Um, and it's just from adding a few extra steps to my process that I think has, has had an, a tremendous effect on, on the quality of work and also like my ability to springboard from one project and take the creative, you know, I guess, drive that I have from that project, almost like, you know, getting three birdies in a row on the course, the likelihood of getting that fourth birdie or, or not taking a bogey in the next hole is higher because you're in a groove. I'm able to sort of push that momentum every single time I move on to, from a project onto the next one. I'm carrying with me a little bit of like, I got a chip on my shoulder. Like I've got to, I've got to one up myself from the last project because that was really good, but I've got to do better on this one. So now when someone approaches you uh, and they say, okay, we've got, let's say tour series, let's say we got tour series. We got a group of five players who want you to create some imagery for it, for our social media and for other marketing campaigns. Is there a specific step-by-step thing that you do when you look at, when you think of this or, or do you approach each one differently? In other words, I guess, how do you, you know, I look at, when I look at your, your uh, Instagram, I think these are amazing. It's like, where do you come up with the idea to put this image, to put this shape, to put this here, to make this fade here, to give this grainy here? I mean, how do you get to this final uh, end product? Right. So I guess when people approach me um, early on, when, when I was getting to know players, one of the things I would always do it, I was immediately go to their Instagram and just with their Instagram and their PDGA profile, learn as much as I know, as more learn as much as I possibly could about them from, you know, five minutes of research. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I think made me successful initially is that I would make pieces of artwork that it wasn't just like I took a picture of them and I added some text and a cool filter and maybe like an object that like a disc golf basket or something really you know cliche. I was producing artwork that I thought told a story of the player and their personality in just a single image. Mm. Um, and I think that's one of the things that set me apart initially from, you know, other designers, not in disc golf, but in sports in general um, that, you know, may have, maybe they were producing higher quality work than me, but their work was maybe a little less personal than mine. Um, and so that was like the first step is just digging in and, and understanding, you know, or like getting to know the player. If I didn't already know 
as much as I would like to know about them, I would do a little bit of research. Um, but then as far as like, you know, getting in and actually creating the, the images, um, if we're talking more of my recent stuff early on, it was like, it was like, you know, a subject and maybe some text or like they were inside of their logo and then like some kind of environmental indication of like where they were from. Mm, um, okay. a good example is like when I did, uh, an edit for, um, for double G way back, like this time last year, it was like him and he was like knee deep in a swamp and there were two alligators next to him and it was murky and over, over his head, it said double G and like the Florida Gators font. Mm, okay. And yeah. it was like the most aggressively, you know, Everglades Florida thing I've ever done in my entire life. <laughs> um, but it, it, the indicate the, the entire point was like, okay, he's very passionate about his home state and about his Florida Gators. So how can we just make something super Florida Gators? Uh, and so, but nowadays, um, and I think what people more know me for now is my, I guess my, my, my mixture of like type and images. And I sort of create these like, you know, American quilt collages of, of images, um, which obviously massive shout out to, to the, the PDG or the PDJ and the disc golf pro tour, um, for making their images, public access, mm-hmm. and also giving me permission to, to use those, um, where I see fit barring. I obviously give them credit for, for everything. So right. Photographers are amazing. Um, <laughs> uh, which is something that I had to learn early on. Cause way back when I had like 200 followers, I was just using whatever I was like, you know, going to Google. I didn't know what the flick, I didn't know what like that flicker, uh, that disc golf pro tour had a flicker. Uh-huh. And so I was like, you know, using these little tiny, very pixelated images to do what I was doing. It's <laughs> very archaic times. Um, but I think, you know, having access to all these photos, the photos are all, you know, amazing. And I want to use as many as many of them as I can in an image. Um, you know, merging that with, you know, you know, other images of like, if, if we're talking, um, and the listener can, can, can go look, if you go, uh, onto my profile, you see the, the, the one I did for Nathan queen, um, which the intention was like, I knew I was going to use the words queen city. I knew I wanted a skyline of Charlotte and he's obviously like myself, a North Carolinian. And so I wanted North Carolina imagery because, you know, like him, I'm very passionate about the fact that I'm from North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted something that seemed very, you know, NC. Uh, and it wasn't like I like, you know, went on a piece of paper and was like, okay, I want a picture of his head here and I want his body here. I just found the images and started shoving things together. It's, 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 not, a, it's not a pretty process. My logo design stuff is a lot more um, structured mm-hmm. when I'm doing these images, it's, it's very trial and error. Um, and it's one of these things where like, maybe I'll have like an initial idea, like f- for that image specifically, I knew I wanted to say queen city. There was a picture of him sitting on his bag and I knew I could have like the queen, uh, like the word queen go under his leg, um, and sort of anchor the bottom of the photo, but everything else was just kind of stacked in on top of it. Um, which, uh, you know, sometimes I feel like with the way that I work where I'm, you know, it's, it's somewhat destructive in that as I'm working, I'm erasing and I'm moving things around, um, to a point to where it's not very easy to back up. And so I feel like some things, some work that I've done in the past, I look at it and I go, man, I could have done that differently, but I would have had to backtrack so far Hmm. in order to make it, you know, um, be more of what I 
would have hoped, you know, after the fact, um, which again, is just something that I'm learning how to, 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 you know, pace myself as I'm working through projects. It's, it's, it's hard when you're working fast, but I'm trying to, you know, force myself to, to think of, think of how I'll feel at the end of the project and try to make things more, more accessible to where I can, you know, make quick changes and things like that. Gotcha. Um, it's one of the things that I'm learning to, to implement. So it sounds like from uh, what we talked about earlier is that, uh, business is good. Business is good for you. <laughs> so, um, and uh, what are your thoughts on, on these? Cause that's, what's fascinating me too, as I, uh, walk away from dynamic disc is that back when I first started, there wasn't a whole lot for people to do as far right. as disc golf, disc golf, especially disc golf media and stuff like that, because we just weren't big enough. People just couldn't afford that. They wouldn't pay. But now it just seems like it's exploding, just like the disc sales are exploding. You can't find hardly any discs. Um, I'm hoping, I'm thinking it's starting to pick back up where it's a little bit better. But anyway, my point is, is that there are a lot of opportunities out there. So what's kind of going on in your mind and what's kind of your future plans? Where do you see yourself one to two to five years from now working in disc golf still or? Oh, well in, in one year. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I won't, I won't say anything on the show, but I've, I'm, I'm signing a contract with with a manufacturer next week. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, which which was kind of interesting because I I wouldn't have anticipated that I wanted to do that at the beginning of this year because I was really passionate about this like freelance thing. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I've learned about myself is that I hate the financial side of freelance work. Um, for me, it's creatively stifling. You know, paying taxes quarterly. Oh my goodness. I hate paying taxes. I hate doing my taxes <laughs> once a year. Now I'm going to do it four times a year. Yeah. Drive me nuts. <laughs> um, and so that sort of motivation of like, okay, I, I kind of want to, I like having that financial stability um, and being able to, you know, not have to, not have to think about that side of my yeah. work and just focus on the creative. It, it, I knew I wanted to get back to that because that's where this thing started. It was, it was, I didn't care about the money. It was really just like, I want to make disc golf cool right? for people who don't think it's cool. Yeah. Um, which I think I've done a good job at that. And I think, I think, you know, when I started this, you know, doing this, um, back at the end of 2019, um, that was before obviously COVID, uh, hit the U S and, and before disc golf had its big 2020 swing. Um, and it was, you know, I wasn't thinking about, you know, oh, there's this, you know, there's this, there's this opening in the sport. I need to, I need to do what I'm doing for this industry and disc golf because there's money to be made. It was just because I like disc golf. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I want to be doing this forever because it's what I love. Right. I mean, I, I think I'm, I think in 30 years time or 20 years time, disc golf is going to be huge because, oh, yeah. you know, people are understanding that it's addictive. I mean, I've known it's addictive since 2011 when I picked it up. Um, and so it was only a matter of time before people realized that, you know, it's not just throwing, you know, pitch and fresh, you know, pitch and fetch Frisbee with your friends in the park. It's something more nuanced than that, but it can be, it's, it's, it's immediately gratifying, but also offers, you know, so much potential to grow and it's a personal challenge and everyone has their own reason why they love it. Um, I love it because I can now go to a course and not shoot tremendously over par. Like I can beat my courses and I can go out and throw in and, and, and enjoy playing, playing the sport. Um, and so, yeah, I, 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 I have no intention of, of leaving unless 
you know, some crazy, you know, experience or, or something shows up elsewhere, which I anticipate based on being in disc golf for a year that every single year from now is only, it's, it's only going to, you know, show it's, it's, it's new, you know, a plethora of opportunities just because things are moving and growing so fast. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, at the rate that people are joining the sport, it's going to be insane to are, think of things. Are you going to be doing the design stuff for this? I mean, can you talk at all about what you'll be doing? Is it more the, on yeah. the design side? It's, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's on the design side. Um, but there, there are going to be opportunities for me to, you know, do some, some work with players on, you know, from, from not from like a managerial standpoint, but, working directly with players, not to just make stuff for their social media, but coach them through mm. using their social media, like, you know, increasing their social media output to where it not only benefits them themselves, but benefits the manufacturers that they're sponsored by things like that. Um, but there's also potential cause I'm, I'm, I'm a people person by nature. Um, yeah, I, I love making pictures on my computer, but I also love getting out on the course on tournament weeks and, and just hanging out with players and, and, you know, obviously playing disc golf with them. That's right. fun because we all have to play, right. but just having conversations and, and, and enjoying spending time with people is something that I love to do. That's awesome. Um, and so there's opportunities there where, you know, I'm not just going to have to design stamps. Well, now I get to, you know, talk to the people that are using them and that's awesome. And really get to, yeah, get out there. And, yeah. Congrats yeah. on that for sure. So one thing I, I, I meant to ask earlier on though, cause mm -hmm. uh, you know, your T box uh, disc golf, um, and I look at your Instagram and it says T box disc golf, not the socks. <laughs> so tell us what's yep. the story behind that. So, so there's, there's T box disc golf and there's T box socks. I started my account at the end of 2019 and they started their account. They may have started it before, but I, I, I first noticed them like mid 2020. And so it was, it was pretty close. Um, and I wasn't big enough and they weren't big enough to wear. <laughs> either of us should care. Um, <laughs> and the only aggravation is that I occasionally get somebody who messages me, Hey, like, you know, we're running this event. We want some socks. And I'm like, wrong account message, this guy. <laughs> um, and I've, I, I've spoken with, with them before, not about the name, just in general, they're, they're, they have a great product and they're great people. And I love seeing their, their socks on the course. Um, but it's actually more than that. Uh, if you back up a little bit, um, I know we had some here in, in in Knoxville. It's I've been told they were on courses, but if you back up a few years, a gentleman created the T box vending machine. Yes, yes, yep. Which was T box with two X's. Right. Um, which I love the concept. Apparently here they didn't last very long because people were, you know, showing up to courses with a with a sledgehammer, <laughs> bashing the screen in, taking all the inventory, running away. Oh. Which I I hate to I hate to be like, oh, you know. Could have told you. Duh. So. Yes. No. <laughs> I remember but, we discussed you know, when I first saw one. We discussed it and we're like, "This is not going to last." Yeah. Yep. I love the idea. Like, you right. Know, quick oh access, no. Yeah. Like, because you can just have like a you can just put a pro shop on a course. Um, but you know maybe there's opportunity for that down the road if 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 that if that you know concept is refined a little bit. Right. Um, but it's really funny. Last week, I think it was like. No, it was Monday because I was watching football. Uh, I got a message on my on my Instagram, like a little blip thing came up on my phone, and it was like, it was like, "Hey man, I think it's lame you stole my logo." And I was like, "Whoa, whoa!" whoa. I was like, "This guy's this guy's like throwing punches." And so I opened the thing, and sure enough, 
2017, the guy sends me a picture of his, of his PDJ profile and it has not exactly my logo, but it's the same concept, the TEE in, in a box, albeit not quite as professional looking, mm-hmm. but still the same concept. And I was like, dude, had no idea. Mm-hmm. I would have never considered using it in a thousand years. And he was like, oh, totally fine. I assumed you didn't know, which I was like, why'd you approach me like I'd done right. something wrong immediately? Aggressive but he there. was, yeah, he was like, he was like, it's, it's totally fine. He's the gentleman, um, another North Carolina guy, uh, he would install a high end T boxes on courses. Hmm. Um, that was kind of his thing is just going on in courses that had like, you know, maybe, you know, just mulch pads or, or air tent pads or whatever. And it would put in nice T boxes. It was T box co. And he said that he changed the name back in 2017. Um, and actually was, was, was kind enough to, uh, to actually go back. He's like, I'm going to go back and delete all instances of that image off my social media and off my PDJ profile. Um, which I was like, wow, wow. thank you. That's yeah. super nice of you. Um, which that was really funny because the conversation took like a complete turn from the beginning being like, Oh my gosh, I'm getting sued <laughs> to, Oh, you know, no worries. Yeah. Um, which I think like the T box logo isn't exactly the most incredible thing in the world. I think it's like it is direct. It's a box with that says T in it. Right. Um, which I thought was funny because like, you know, when I when I thought I had gotten past like, you know, the last of the of the other T boxes, now my logo's stolen. It was just this is it, it was a whirlwind. Um but yeah, I mean I think that I think that uh I think it's okay um that there's a handful of companies named T box. I don't now that I'm joining like I've told people this now that I'm like, you know, you know, going to work for a manufacturer, I don't know what T box will turn into. Right. Um, it's sort of like an up in the air and it's my baby and I want it to be, you know, I want it to keep growing. Um, I'm not sure what, what it, what the next year holds for it as, as a business. I know what I'm doing. Um, but the relationship I have with, with my business is interesting because it started as, you know, I had a conversation. I don't know if you know, uh, Joe Phillips, he owns, um, there's the co-owner of uh, of another round disc golf down hmm. here in Charlotte with, with Kyle. Deck. I'm sure you know Kyle. Yes. Um, yeah. So his business partner, I was talking to him um, on the road a few weeks ago. And he was like, one thing I've noticed about, about T-Box is that it started very corporate, which is my intention. I wanted it to appear that there was a team of people behind this operation because I had the amount of output that should only be attainable by like five or six people. That was my goal. And so people were like, you know, when they would message me, they're like, hey, are you guys open for commission? They would never like refer to me as a person. They would assume it was a team, mm-hmm. which I thought was really interesting. But when I started coming on tour, um, actually one of the main motivations for me sort of shifting from it being a corporate, you know, a business to being more of just how I market myself as an individual is I was at Huck Central. Um, and my, my old home course in central South Carolina, just outside of Clemson, uh, really great event there. And I was walking down whole forest fairway, uh, with Paul Macbeth and he, he was, I was like a step ahead of him and he's like, Hey, are you, he's like, I know I've, I've seen T box. Do you own T box or do you work for T box? <laughs> and I was like, Oh, it's, it's just me. Um, and I was like, okay, one at that point, I was like, it's the coolest thing ever to be recognized by the questionably the greatest player of all time. Right. Um, but I stopped and I was like, I need to rethink the way that I do this. Cause I don't want it to be, you know, me posing as a company. I want it to just be me, right. especially that, that I was like out on tour. 
I want people to be like, oh, there's T-Box logo. Oh, that's Paul. Right. And just approach me as, as me as an individual. And so I've sort of changed the way that that I've, you know, marketed my my page. And so now instead of just being my logo um, as the profile picture, it's actually like like a picture of me. And it says like T-Box Disc Golf slash Paul J instead of T-Box Disc Golf Media, mm-hmm. like it used to say. Um, which now that I'm, you know, not going to be pushing this stuff as as my individual work anymore because I'm going to work for manufacturer. I'm sort of having to rethink the way, like, is it going to be an apparel brand? Is it going to do X, Y, Z? Cause there's, I think there's a lot of potential for it as just a, as an image. Yeah. Um, and so we'll see. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm open to options. I've had people approach me with different ideas and I'm, I'm just sort of sitting on it during the off season. Cause I don't know what, what the future holds. Very for cool. It. Yeah. All right. Well, we come to the part of the podcast where we kind of, uh, well, we've learned a lot about what you do in disc golf about sure. your business and what you have planned, but now I want to learn a little bit more about Paul, the person. So Sure. Um, I have my five questions that I ask. So you ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right. What are you learning right now? Uh, time management. Oh, okay. I think I've answered this question uh, with the same answer the past. I guess I haven't been asked it this exact way directly, but, but you know, a question like this. Um, and it's always the same answer. And I think it just comes from the fact that every day I get more work. It's not busy, boring work, but it's more work that are unique problems to solve. Um, and so I've, I'm, I'm learning how to prioritize my time, learn where my skills are, and more importantly, um, learn where to take more time because I struggle in a certain area. Um, I think working for yourself and, and, and getting up and, and sitting in front of your computer without someone standing over you, you have to learn how to coach yourself to be, um, you know, understanding the things you're good at and understanding the things that you're, you know, not necessarily struggling in, but areas where you're not quite as skilled. Right. Um, and so that's one thing that I've, I think that I've learned in the past year is like, you know, if I, if I really focus on, you know, pacing things and, 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 and allowing the right amount of time for certain projects, I think the product, the product are ultimately, the products are ultimately more professional and the quality of work that I'm producing increases. Very good. Yeah. So how has failure shaped your life? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think it depends on how you'd, how you'd, uh, define failure. I think for me, um, being an artist, I think failure is resistance where you feel like you submit a project and, and, it doesn't meet the expectation of the client or it doesn't make it past the, the proof stage. Um, and I think as someone who, you know, as they're creating artwork, um, when you look at something for so long and, and you, you take it from a, con- a concept and an idea in your head and you put it on paper and you spend time on it, you know, you, you sort of have this, you know, parent child relationship with it. Obviously that's a little bit crude and, and over the top and overly emotional, but I think it's true to a certain extent. And so I think that if we're defining failure as, you know, designs not meeting the mark, I think where I've grown is that I, I try to do some of that criticism initially. Mm-hmm. I try to force myself to think, okay, what part of this would, would the client not like? What part of this would this individual get aggravated with or, or, or feel like I've, I've, I've not met their expectations. And I try to, you know, make some of those fixes initially so that when I deliver the product, 
they're probably still going to complain, but it won't be nearly as bad. <laughs> it can never that. be perfect, but I can get it a little bit closer. I can relate to the parent child thing uh, in that with the video creation, it's very similar. You know, um, there's a saying they say, um, sometimes you got to kill your kids. Some people say that right. and what it, what it means is you film a bunch of stuff, but when you get to the editing part, there's times you're like, man, I really love this shot, but it just doesn't, doesn't fit with the whole. So there's a lot of times right. you're, there's scenes that don't make the final end product. And it's like, gosh, sure. but I feel, you know, that was an idea I had and I thought it was so great, but it just didn't fit with the flow of the, the, the actual video. So right. kind of get I that. Should, I that should aspect. look in here. I should look in here. Um, there's a really good story to go with this. Um, yeah, here it is. Uh, Tristan Tanner, uh-huh. great buddy. Yeah. Awesome player. Great buddy. He approached me and said, Hey, uh, we're going to do some this with latitude. Can you make me a logo? Um, and so this was like right at the beginning of me, like really sketching out stuff. And so you guys can see, like, I've just got pages of, of sketches of, of things that would eventually end up on my computer. Um, and one concept, uh, which I actually ended up posting on my page, um, you guys can go can go look at it. It's it's a fairly recent post. Um, was a version of his logo that was based on if you've ever been to Denver, or you're familiar with the area, then you're familiar with the Flatirons just outside of Boulder, which is not far from Longmont, where where Tristan's from. And I had this really cool TT logo concept um, that I thought was perfect, and it's still one of my favorite things I've ever done. And Tristan even said, "This is amazing." But he said, I, I'm afraid it's too complicated. And I do understand his point. He wanted something fairly simple, just two T's sort of intertwined. Um, and, the, and the product we came up with was a good product. I'm really happy with, with, the, with, the, with the logo that I made and, and the stamps that were ultimately made uh, with, his, with his logo. But I'll forever be frustrated by the fact that there is maybe my favorite logo that I've ever done and it will only ever live on my social media profile. Oh, <laughs> it's so funny. And I think it's even better when you, if you go to my profile, the, the post that I made for it is also really, really cool in my opinion. And so, you know, it's just, it's, it's a fun thing that'll, that'll always be like, you know, this, uh, this, what, what could have been. Yeah. Um, nice. That's, to, that's put, like the main one that's into my head. I'll put a, I'll put a link in our, in the, in the podcast, uh, description cool. so you guys can check that out all right who do you know that i should know i know the question you're going to ask me next um and so i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to say the same person twice okay aaron draplin okay do you know that name no you've probably seen his work uh Anybody who's listening to this who's a designer, you probably know Aaron Draplin is. He's a Portland-based uh, graphic designer, logo designer, and internet personality. Um, super outspoken, bigger guy, huge beard, um, quirky personality. I met him in college. I was lucky enough. I, I did a my, my program invited him to to come do a, a keynote uh, lecture, and I ended up submitting a poster to a contest, and actually ended up winning and getting to, to have, uh, spend the morning with him, have lunch and then, and then, uh, spend the afternoon with him as well. Oh, wow. Um, he's a very accomplished designer. He's done work with, uh, you know, notable, uh, uh, clients like Patagonia and, uh, Cole Snowboards, Bernie Sanders. Um, he's, he's done work with, uh, he did the, um, 
he helped work on, I think the, the web branding catalog for, um, for, oh shoot, I'm blanking on the name. It was one of the, the democratic candidates in, in 2020, but he's a very accomplished designer. Um, and someone who I, I look up to not only from a like design perspective, but also just a personal marketing perspective, because the guy is hysterical, but also wise beyond his years. Really? Um, so yeah, definitely someone you should, uh, you should, you should, you should know. You should yeah. Look I'm at looking it. at his website right now. Draplin.com. It's got some yep. pretty cool stuff on there. Yeah. It's cool. like, a, he's, he's got this like industrial thing where he'll go out and like, you know, he'll like go thrift shopping or go through like antique shops, but he's not looking for items. He's looking for like weird scraps of print with letters on them. And he'll like go rebuild the fonts as what they could have been or like implement them into his designs in some way. He's just got this really strange, like just gritty approach to the work that he does. And if you haven't, if, if you don't know his name, everyone's seen his work at some point. Yeah. It's like, it's a very specific thing. And if they haven't seen his work, then they, uh, then they've seen people copy his work, which I've been, uh, I, I guess I can say I've been criticized before, but I've, I've, I've caught myself <laughs> doing things that I think that he would do in the past. Um, but a huge influence on me and uh, as a designer, but also as like an individual, he's a pretty incredible person. Gotcha. Okay. So, uh, what have you read or what have you listened to that I should read or listen to? Uh, Aaron Draplin's pretty much everything. <laughs> I just saw that on his, uh, yeah, his book. He has pretty much everything. Yeah. What, what is that? It's just, just like a book of everything he's designed or is it teaching you how to design? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot of everything. Um, it's pretty it's much right everything on yeah. my desk, but it's, it's under a stack of books and some novelties where if I try to pull it out, everything's going to topple <laughs> over. Otherwise I would show the camera. Um, but it is pretty much everything. It's, it's a catalog of, designs he's done but it also tells the story of how he came to be the book is thick it's like it's like an inch and a half two inches thick it's mm. it's, a, it's a substantial uh read um but i'll pull it out to look at look at it just for design inspiration or to weird or learn, read weird stories about his uh deceased dotson um that makes uh that makes appearance and he calls it long dog <laughs> and it, it, it makes appearances in a lot of his designs he's got a logo for it that's just like Oh, sorry. Uh, getting. That's the one problem with having your webcam on your phone is that if people try to call you, it uh, <laughs> it stops your webcam. Um, <laughs> but uh, he has a logo, and it's like it's his dog, but it just like zigzags back and forth, um, like a little like a little hot dog. It, mm -hmm. It's pretty fun. Uh, but he's got stories about his dad. He's got a really interesting uh, uh, background, and so. Um, you know, as a coffee table book, it's great because you can flip it open and just look at cool pictures. Um, but if you dig a little deeper, there's a lot of really interesting stories and stuff that you can apply to, you know, to not only your design approach, but also to your life in general. It's a, it's a good read. Nice. Okay. So what have you done that I should do? Um, well, I don't know what you haven't done. So mm, it's, it's fair. hard to say. Uh, I think a lot of my favorite stories came from just things that I've done on the road. Um, I, I grew up, um, in a household that didn't travel much. I, I did a lot as a kid. I, I grew up in, in the mountains of Western North Carolina, sort of the Asheville area. Um, and so I grew up hiking and camping and mountain biking and all, all the, all the fun outdoor activities. Um, but always with this, you know, excitement and passion to, to, to go out West. And, and, and I made this pact with myself, um, which I've broken, unfortunately, but 
when I was in high school, I was like, I want to visit all 50 states before I leave the country. It was kind of a patriotic proclamation to myself. Um, and I ended up going to the Bahamas on a cruise. And so I kind of ruined that for myself. <laughs> um, but I'm at like, I think I'm at 47 states now. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So I'm getting close. But I think that if there's one thing that, uh, that I would say to do that you may not, you know, maybe you haven't done is just pick a weird place on a map that you never would consider going to and go to it. Hmm. Um, some of the strangest and most enjoyable places I've ever been have been places where I never would have considered ever really enjoying. Um, you know, if, if, if you haven't been everything between El Paso and Austin is super cool. It's very flat. It's wide open. If you haven't been to Marfa, Marfa is insane. Really old, uh, really old. Uh, it's like an art installation in the middle of the desert that was put there. There's a bunch of artists who went there in the 60s. And um, it's like, uh, trying to think of the best place to describe where it is. It's like three hours north of Big Bend. Okay. It's just in that sort of far western part of Texas. Um, but it, I, I learned about it in, in high school. My art teacher said that there was this weird, you know, compound in, in West Texas where there's art installations and in just in the middle of the desert. And I was on a road to my buddy visiting some family or some of his family in Austin. We decided to drive out to Big Ben and I was like, Hey, we should try to go out there. Um, cause I was like, I think it's on the way. Well, it ended up being like three and a half hours out of the way. And when we got there, everything was closed. Um, but just the drive out there, uh, it's never a place I would ever think to go. I just happened to, you know, pick a place on a map and go. And, um, I think that spontaneity, uh, lends itself to, to not taking for granted what you're doing because yeah. there's always this excitement of like the next thing that's down the road. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, there's, there's a lot to unpack in that response. But. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it. There's a lot of times. Yeah. yeah where even, even on a, uh, going out just on a Friday night, sometimes the last minute, uh, decisions to go do something new and do something different end up being one of, you know, some of the more fun nights that you have. Um, right. even, even when you plan out a night for weeks and weeks in advance. So I get that. And I, and I do love, that was one of the aspects I love about disc golf and what I've been doing is the traveling and, and seeing different cultures, meeting, right. meeting people, seeing the different cultures, seeing what's similar from where I grew up and what's different. Um, you know, it's very enlightening. And even the, um, the added, I don't want to say attitude, but the, the demeanor of people is completely different. You know, I didn't, I didn't really realize about Southern hospitality until I was yep. like not in the Midwest, you know, <laughs> there is something about it and I'm not trying to be mean or rude, but there's like, there's something about it when you're on the different coast that people's attitudes are a little different than when you're in the Midwest. And right. Right. It's actually refreshing when I come back. Sometimes sure. I think it's nice. That, it's nice sure. that people are kind to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I guess it can, you know, it's, it's interesting to think because obviously this year I've, I've been to a bunch of events. Um, I didn't do much of the West coast swing. I, I did, I did Vegas um, and I did DDO and I did most of the stuff on the East coast, but you know, I always sit to think like the, the people have been on the road for a really long time. You know, the, the Barsby's and the, the Paul's and, 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 and the Rickies, the guys who have, or, and, and Yuli guys who've been on the road for 10 plus years. They've been to every part of the U S every year on repeat. And so they, they, they know it. And I get, you know, I get homesick after like one week on the road. Mm. 
And I'm just like, I just want to be home. I can't imagine being one of these guys where, and maybe it's one of these things where sure. A lot of these guys, they have their home on the road. They take an RV. And so they, 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 they bring their, you know, their bed with them on the road. Um, but it's interesting because, because this year, uh, I've been on the road more than I have been in, in a long time. Um, which was nice. I, I made the, uh, I made the the big jump of driving from from Knoxville to to Smugs. I did I did GMC this year, which was an incredible experience. I kind of just told myself that I was like I really don't need to go up here, but I really want to because mm-hmm. I, I went back to, I went to Vermont back in 2016 and I was like this place is amazing, um, and the playing disc golf there was like something that I always thought was really attractive. And so I made the 17 hour trek. I bought a car and two weeks later drove it <laughs> like a thousand miles up to New England. Oh wow. Um, yeah, which which was a really cool experience. Uh, but you're right, like that, you know, just walking into a convenience store, you have to like. Uh, there was like a little bit of, um, I was like a little bit, not hesitant, but like on guard because mm. when I go into a, when I go, you know, down to my uh, to my convenience store down the road from my parents' house in Anderson, upstate South Carolina, <laughs> you know, I know how people are going to interact with me. Right. But I don't know how they're going to do it. And, you know, super far North boonies, Vermont. Right. <laughs> and it's different it's and it's different. not bad, but it's, it's, it's right. different. Um, and so you, you learn a lot about other people, but I think you also learn a lot about yourself when you, when you, when you travel and you move around because you learn how to, uh, to adapt in different social situations and you understand how people, you know, react to, to, to how you act. Cause I grew up in Southern hospitality. Like yeah. this is that, that's what I know. Um, and so I know how to be like overly attentive and overly caring about what people, you know, are feeling and thinking in, in social situations, which isn't always the norm. Yeah. Um, but, so, you know, so what's a, what's a piece of advice you'd give uh, somebody that is a creative or, or just wants to explore a career in disc golf. That's not a player. What, what's a, what's a piece of advice you'd give them? I, I want to say that the work is there. The work certainly is there. Um, but I think, you know, the, the, the perception is like, Oh, you know, you, you, you started your company and, and, you know, you picked a great time, like the disc golf's exploding. And it wasn't like I just, you know, started working and there was this audience there that just immediately flooded my page. And like, you know, there was just connections. Um, I think, you know, one piece of advice that I would give to people that I think was a huge motivator when I first started it is just, just make something. Mm. Somebody told me, um, a few years ago, who was it? Um, it was either the pianist, uh, Bill Lawrence, it's amazing jazz pianist, one of my favorite artists of all time, or bassist Michael league. One of the two, which if you don't know who these people are, they're incredible people, you know, for creators, they're idols of mine. Um, one of them said, you know, if you're creating something, create something that you think is cool, because if you think it's cool, there's a good chance that someone else will think it's cool. Yeah. Um, which for me, it was pretty easy because it's, you know, I know disc golf is cool. And I know a lot of other people think that disc golf is cool. Um, but I held myself to a standard of saying, okay, you know, just disc golf in general, if I make content for disc golf, you know, I can really fudge it a little bit yeah, and people will still like it. 
Like I can, I can, I can compromise quality because just because there's disc golf content going out, people are going to like it because the audience is there. Um, and so one thing that I, that I try to tell myself to do is like, you know, never make a piece of artwork and post it because you need to post it, make a piece of artwork and push to completion. Cause you think it's a cool, interesting piece of work that, you know, people are going to like. I'm constantly getting to the point to where like there's there's you know there's a, there's a deadline approaching or I need to get a post out, um, and so I'm like, man, this 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 post really isn't done. But I know if I just post it, people are gonna like it. Like if I post something on Ricky's account, people are gonna like it because Ricky posted it. Like the content does not matter, right? But the content matters to me, and it matters to to you know the mission of of creating really good content, and so you know, that's my piece of advice is, you know, make something that you think is cool, but don't just make it because you know, it's going to work. I like that. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Cool. Yeah. Well, Paul, thank you so much for taking the time out this evening to be on the show. I've learned a lot about what you do and I'm excited about the new, uh, what's coming up new. So I'll be looking, I'm assuming you'll post it on your Facebook or your social or your Instagram to let us know. Yeah. Yeah. You'll, you'll, it'll, It'll definitely pop up. Okay. So I'm excited for that. That's really cool. I, I love seeing people do what they love doing. And I love seeing seeing it happen in disc golf just because it's been happening for me over the last few years. So um, I love watching that. So, so how do people follow you though? How do they follow your journey? At T-Box Disc Golf is the easiest way to. That's where I spend most of my time and where I, I you know, I used to be really critical about things that I post on my story, but now I don't care anymore. I'll just post whatever <laughs> I want. So uh, if, if people don't like seeing my face on my store and they don't follow me, I don't care. And so if you're really <laughs> interested to, to know what I do, um, and follow me over this, over the off season, which is going to be a very busy time. Um, I'm going to be posting a lot of cool stuff. And so at T box disc golf on Instagram, um, is the best way to, and if you can't find me, I'm sure I'll find you at some point because with the rate that stuff gets shared, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you guys will see my stuff pop up at some point. Nice. I'll be sure to put a link to your Instagram in the show notes so all right well paul you have a wonderful evening and thanks again for being on the show likewise hey thanks guys thank you again to paul for being on the show uh guys go to doordisc.com to get the best in disc golf customer service i'm not just saying that even though i just said that go go to the website use code dgam get free shipping when you check out and uh, support those that support the show. We appreciate it. We'll see you on the next one.